Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we discuss the hows and whys of entertainment media. I'm your host, Preston, and in the hot seat today, I am joined by our delightful co-host... Batman! Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, do the various... Did we... We discussed this. We changed, we changed Uh, it, but we forgot. Do the... You know, subscribe, follow... Follow us or something. Not in real life, please. Um, do the things. You you know, you're, you're listening to this on a thing. The thing has things. Do the things. Perfect. <laughs> That's the one we're Look, going we with. might be classing this joint up a little bit, but I'm going to keep my perfectly unprofessional standards. Yep. That's uh. That, that's we me. need to keep that though. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> no. This is this is who we are. We, yep. we cannot betray ourselves. What was I about to share? I am. I said this to you in the car. This is the first episode I've ever been nervous about. Same. Because <laughs> it's just <laughs> like people will actually listen to this one. We hope. If we do our jobs right. Like, I'm actually sweating. <laughs> Aha. My, uh, my, my dress has come at an advantage. <laughs> That's not what works. I mean, I have an undershirt, so you're not going to see it in the armpits. Anyway, uh, this is episode 150. Wow. This is it. Like, we've been doing this for three and a half years. Wow, man. That's crazy. I didn't realize we'd passed 100. Yeah, I just kind of blacked out around episode fifty-two. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the this is the episode we've been building towards. Uh, yeah. Welcome to people who are listening for the first time. If this is the first episode you're listening to, leave now. This is your only chance. Nope, they already lost their chance. You've passed your chance to leave now. Uh, yeah. We've been doing a whole lot of things. We now have mm-hmm. a social media existing. Yes. So check us out on Instagram. Yes. And- instagram's mostly the interesting one right now uh in a week and a half from this episode launching we will have our first youtube video on the new youtube channel Mm -hmm. and then weekly we will have new videos on that very cool um yeah so i guess we could just pass by all the pleasantries and get back into our normal groove matt what you been up to stuff this thing not that much am i gonna move this thing I don't know if I'm going to move this thing. I would never move that thing. It's very uncomfortable when you don't move that thing. Is it? Yeah. I'm in a weird place. Uh, yeah. Listeners won't know this, but Matt is at a different place that we introduced a couple episodes ago. Yep. And I am now we're sitting where Matt sits. Always. Normally. Yeah. And I don't so, think I've ever not sat there during an episode. Yeah. It's weird. It's very unsettling. Uh-huh. But what you been up to? <laughs> Stuff. Uh, so, as I mentioned in my last couple episodes... Um, I had been reading Daredevil. I haven't been able to acquire volume three of Ed Brubaker's run on Daredevil. Therefore, I'm taking a hiatus from Daredevil at the end of the Brian Michael Bendis run. Um, just because I don't want to have to come back and reread. It's kind of a nice natural stopping point. Uh-huh. So, uh, now that I have volume three of Trees in my library, I have reread <gasps> all three volumes of Trees. Well, I read volume three for the first time, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I haven't read the first two. No, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still need to get that for you. Out of your depth, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. So it's uh, it's Warren Ellis. Yep. Um, and basically the, the concept. Legend. Apparently, he's a really terrible dude. But really, yeah. Oh, that's un- that's not nice to hear. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Something about trees. Trees. Yeah. Volume three. Foliage verdant you're so foliage. tired today this is really bad i got about five hours of sleep and i worked <laughs> for 11 hours straight and probably 10 and a half of those hours were stressful 
it's gonna be good we're gonna have fun we're gonna gonna be i'm going to brutalize him in this i'm not moving on (laughs) this is what they call a -a rope-a-dope a what rope-a-dope what's that you know in boxing you like kind of lean back against the ropes and gain some energy but you're like you're not hitting you're just kind of sitting back and looking weak but you're you don't have to hold yourself up even and you just kind of sit there and then you bounce off and pow 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 anyway (laughs) trees uh so the basic premise is it's set 10 years uh, into the future after um the aliens landed and the aliens are not the little green men or the little big headed whatever's not even xenomorphs they are giant three-pronged pillars basically Mm -hmm. so it's like a three pillars and then sort of a platform thing on top Mm -hmm. we don't know if they're ships or if they're organic uh we don't know if they're registering our presence and taking the information we, we don't know what's happening mm-hmm. big mystery um the the tagline on the back of the book says something like uh 10 years ago we learned that we are not the only intelligent life in the universe and the other life doesn't regard us as intelligent or alive oof um that's a real low blow <laughs> yeah uh if so only just... they could see us now <laughs> uh <laughs> So it's a it's a very interesting premise because like fundamentally the world is the same, mm-hmm. but just the fact of having this event and of um, some of the disruptions that happened on the day they landed and then they've done nothing since it has undermined and changed the fabric of societies all around the world. Mm-hmm. And so the first two volumes are kind of just chopped up little short stories just set in completely different places that do not connect to each other in the slightest um that just explore different dynamics so there's like a um, there's a tree that lands in china and china sets up a like special socio-cultural zone or something Mm -hmm. i don't remember exactly what the term they use is um but basically anyone can go there and it's freedom of expression and um kind of an interesting place and then Mm -hmm. um uh one landed in manhattan and caused a bunch of flooding and it's kind of completely upset the um economy there it's like people paddling around on skiffs and Mm. um very poor um and then there's like a a research team in in scandinavia that's Mm -hmm. like trying to figure out what's going on with them just all these little bits and pieces and nuggets and it's a um it's just it's really fascinating yeah every single one of them is engaging and interesting and offers something new cool um and then volume three is a completely different self-contained story within the same world and it's all just this one story it's a murder mystery in a tiny Russian village where a tree landed mm-hmm. um, and a dead body turns up one day and it's about the police woman who has some past, some history, and she's trying to uncover the murder. Huh. It's kind of bleak. Yeah. As you'd expect. Russia. Russia. Murder. Aliens. It's good stuff. Mystery. Yeah. The these are words yes these are words that i have spoken <laughs> yes in the order that i have chosen to speak them in is that all you're up to no uh, i've been watching a little more avatar uh are you done up to the last four i need to watch ember island players oh that's such a fun one yeah looking forward to that one mm-hmm. um so that means i have watched uh boiling rock parts one and two and you heard the the audio cue i was listening for it i wasn't sure what you were referring to really yeah so it's the moment when uh may is like 
to, like going against her and backing mm-hmm. up Zuko, and she's like, "Ty Lee, do something," and she's like, "No," mm-hmm. and there's just bong, and that's like that's the moment that she's like lost everything. She has like uh, she's lost her fear power over them, mm-hmm. and like all this stuff. She's like she realized I have nothing. Like I I have no power over people, and mm-hmm. it's like that. It. I mean, knowing the character and having seen the show, and like especially. Right watching you'll kind of get it later i think i suggest you go back and watch that episode again after finishing it because there's so much about how she's like she's so shallow because the entire depth of her character was her control over her two friends right um and now having lost that in that exact moment it just she snaps and Mm -hmm. the rest of the show is just her completely going mental Uh, which is so cool because it's like it draws on character backstory of Mm -hmm. like where she like remotely drew it's her trying to figure out what the void is so she's like desperately clawing to for things that Mm -hmm. um that previously may have filled the void or like things that maybe caused the void she's lashing out at and it's just like it's such a cool okay decline of a person yeah no like i mean I caught the power shift. I just didn't hear the sound. Yeah, there's the, there is a just like a and it's not loud. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like part of the music, but it's like right at that moment. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that was kind of cool. OK, so don't know if it was intentional, but I read it that way. All right. Nice. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed those ones. I like Sokka problem solving episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are fun and good. And there's, you know, a lot of good emotional content there. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're having fun. It's. You know, it's just, it, it's kind of creative. You know, they, they set them in this situation and they don't magic their way out of it. Mm-hmm. They come up with very logical, this step and then this step and then this step. Yeah. yeah. And there's logical kinks that happen. Right. Yeah. Not just, oh, uh, the Fire Lord has showed up for some reason. And then he's on a dragon. Yeah, We're exactly. all going to die. <laughs> and then Aang shows up and it just. And he's also on a dragon. <laughs> and he's also, also going to kill die. everyone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> plot twist um (laughs) yeah so i thoroughly enjoyed that and then oh has ang had his other little uh pilgrimage with roku with roku no that happens in the last four episodes oh you get some more shit with roku i don't i mean i've we got a bunch of backstory on him and Sozin. Oh, okay. So you did get that. That was a few episodes ago. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? I like that. That's uh, uh, it's a, that was such a like a powerful moment to realize yeah. that like, oh shit, my past life is almost responsible for all this. Yeah. It it really ties into his like feeling responsible for this war. Mm-hmm. Like I I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think that really ties into that where Aang feels responsible as a ten year old, not a twelve year old, mm-hmm. uh because he's like, I disappeared for a hundred years that is coming from the fact that he kind of is responsible in his past life for all of this right being in it's a it's a through line of all the past avatars of the inability to stop it yep um and you're gonna get some of that too actually now that i'm thinking about it um there's a really cool uh bit in one of the last four episodes where he talks to like he starts going backwards in the lineage Mm -hmm. uh, and talks to them and gets wisdom from each of them and there's like this through line of like really interesting kind of all the unique differences in society for them like uh there's one it's not a spoiler but he talks to the last waterbender and he's like dude everything was great 
I just surfed all the time. I fell in love and died. Like I didn't have to do shit. <laughs> and it's just like this nice little like it, man. They say a naughty word in the kids show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was a really chill, really chill dude. <laughs> yep. Um. And then so after that, I, I liked those quite a bit. And then I watched the Southern Raiders episode. Mm. That one might be my favorite so far. That one is a heavy one. Yeah. Because you get to see the dark side of Katara. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's just it's a beautiful episode mm-hmm. i don't know if they did something different with the animation but the whole time i was just like whoa yeah this looks really cool i might and do some just, research into that uh when we get around to doing the avatar episode see like kind of how they handle animation and things like that because there are mm-hmm. episodes that the animation is very different yeah and i think it just has to do with who's the animators in that one and yeah maybe like there's a few episodes where because it's kind of a filler episode um, in a sense in yeah. a sense it, it doesn't def- it doesn't advance the main plot exactly yeah um and so i think that one was one where early on they gave it to a couple like to a a, a team to say mm-hmm. just make that episode and they're like we're gonna make this the best damn episode it's ever been and i don't know one of <laughs> yeah it was, it was great top five for me at least yeah just tone setting and um it'll never top the great divide though or the cave of the two lovers or the cave of the two <laughs> uh what filler episodes they are you're right yeah okay so i'm enjoying that i'm gonna watch ember island players at some point in the not too distant future and mm-hmm. then we're gonna watch the last four yes, it's gonna be great it's gonna be good it's gonna be very fun anything else uh oh uh hannah has started watching the mandalorian and so i've been watching the mandarin <laughs> do i <laughs> yeah that's uh we didn't know that like yesterday or last week yesterday last week when we were talking about the mandarin in iron man mm-hmm. and carter pointed it out to us that we were saying the mandalorian when meaning the mandarin so that's out there on the internet that we're idiots I, they they're so <laughs> i mean you kind of knew it but <laughs> just the you know so what you think She's really enjoying it. She's super into it. It's a good job. Baby Yoda's super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really impressed with the visual storytelling. Just, yeah. Uh, um, the, just the scene where he, he gets into the cockpit at one point and it's just kind of normal booting up and then he pauses. You know, he's the, like the little ball thing, twisty thing on mm-hmm. the thing and he, it's not there and he pauses. And it does so much storytelling just with that shot and like the... It, Pulls back to a shot of him just kind of sit back for a second. Mm. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. What? Why is it missing? Did Baby Yoda take it. Baby Yoda likes playing, oh, playing yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like Baby Yoda was playing with it. Yeah. And he like reached for it, but he was playing for it, and he kind of like let him play with it. No. Oh. Uh, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember that oh. scene. But never mind. Okay. Whatever. I'm gonna have to go. Well, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's fine. Whatever. Whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's okay. You, know, you, don't, you don't. You don't. You don't care about me. But that's, you know. True, but right, right, we, uh, yeah, we knew that. Cool. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's it. Oh, uh, we watched the Sweet Life movie. There's a movie. There is. Uh, there's a movie. It's kind of sci-fi-y. What? <laughs> Not super sci-fi, like soft sci-fi, sort of. Weird. Yeah. It's kind of (laughs) bad. I would think so. It really feels like a maybe a two-part episode that they just stretched out into an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So, 
some of the material is solid, but a lot of it is just like, yeah, this would have been cut if they were actually trying to yeah. do something. So, Anything else you went up to? Nope. Cool. What you went up to? Oh, my God. So many things. So many things. I'm aware of two of them. And none of them particularly exciting. So I'm gonna, I'll talk about the one thing. I read the entirety of Dune. How many days did it take you to read the entirety days. of Dune? That's, uh, that's impressive right there. It was a road trip. Yeah. So I spent 12 hours on the road both ways and I wrote, well, I read maybe like an hour when we were there, mm-hmm. but a majority of it was over the two days, two separate days. Regardless, uh, that's impressive. Sorry. Three days, six hours up, six hours up more and then 12 hours back. Ah, yes. Good. So three days, technically four days because the whole trip, four or five days, but I read it really quickly. I read a majority of it in a very small amount of time. Okay, if you say <laughs> That's so. That's the point. He said to the guy who read Harry Potter 7 twice on the first day he got it. What a dick measure. <laughs> like, like weird flex, but okay. Uh, I haven't heard that name in years. What? Weird flex, but okay. Oh, yeah. It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, no, it is... It, I wouldn't say reinvigorated because I never had a passion for reading books, mm-hmm. but it, invig- it, inv- it invigorated a a joy of reading books Great. that I have, I have not previously felt. Yeah. Uh, it, this was the first book that I actually read all the way through in 15 and over 15 years because school just murdered it for me. Yeah. Um, I, I was never a huge reader when I was a kid. I think you have to get in on the ground floor and just yeah. start reading when you're like five or six and just yeah. start reading little books on your own and get into it. I, uh, I always made my way around it. Do you remember AR tests? Yep. I so, set the school record for AR points. See, you and my girlfriend both. Like, <laughs> both are just... Well, she didn't set the record. She said there was this one other girl that was like the, the you, basically, yeah, I guess. I, set, I like doubled the record. God. See, I, I made the points to get the rewards mm-hmm. by doing the tests on the movies that I'd seen. So I did all the <laughs> Harry Potter ones. I, I I did uh this is a shameful admission. I did fail the Return of the King test because <gasps> I did a couple of things that I thought that I remembered from the movie and I hadn't seen I hadn't read the book in too long. Uh-huh. Shame. It was not my finest moment. But I like I got a bulk of my points from uh reading those National Geographic tiny ones that I could just crank out in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Um or have the book with me yep. and do it. Um but I just when when it got to the point of being forced to read a book and then analyze it yep it killed it for me and i mm-hmm. and i'm looking back on it that's i i'm essentially doing what school did to me mm-hmm. with books to my girlfriend with movies which is why i've backed hard off with like we're gonna watch tinker taylor and we're gonna work our way up to like really intelligent movies instead like there are like good movies that i just wanted to watch like blade runner 2049 yeah. which means we have to slog through t- blade runner first <laughs> Um, you might like it what blade runner i've seen it oh you've seen it well, yeah we watched i've seen it twice and then we just oh. watched it we talked about it last did we not talk about did i not talk about it last week i don't think you talked oh, about it last she didn't week. like it yeah we talked about it in person because i said we watched it and you right. said you weren't a huge fan of it either right but all that to say um books being forced to analyze it just made me think that books were a textbook mm. um and i never cared about it and then like past few years i've had this mentality of like oh i'd rather read comic books because of the images they like they do the storytelling it's better to do action and stuff like that and how all these like justifications of reading it because your actual word brain has atrophied to the point where you can't read words anymore what are words they're the little squiggly See, things isn't it 
isn't it when the way I talk in general, like when I start to get to those situations where I'm starting to use bigger words and kind of like complex speaking, mm-hmm. does it seem like I'm a book reader? Yeah. That's so interesting to me that I like, I love big words. I took Latin and I love just big complex words that, t- that capture a sentence in a single word or like a full phrase in a single word. That's what I'm all about. Um, that and- is my perpetuity. <laughs> No, that's not true. It's wrong, it's wrong word to say the right thing. Um, but like, I just, I get that in real life. But mm-hmm. like having read Dune, I figured I would just get distracted every 30 seconds and not finish it. But I put my headphones on, put the lo-fi beats to relax to or study to mm-hmm. and looked down at my book and I looked up and it was six hours later and I was a quarter of the way through the book. Yeah. And just the especially when i'm i'm dune is probably one of the few books that it was able that would have been able to do that right it is a right book at the right time yeah and it like because it well not only is it like just a good book but also my mentality going into it that i was like i want to get the story i want to understand why matt loves this like likes this book so much Mm -hmm. i loves would be aggressive it's like if we're going to use our movie scale, it's like an eight. Yeah. But like, I want to see, I want to understand what that really cool trailer is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually read the words and if I didn't know what was happening, I would read the paragraph again. Like right. just when they get into those weird, the, the Fremen speaking yeah. in their weird talk way. Yep. Um, and it just, I was like, you know what? I, I can see it. And now I'm reading Dracula from nineteen yeah. eighteen sixty whatever. <laughs> that was and a little more dense. What a what a what a change. Yeah, I'll tell you this: pirate speak is so hard to understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the book's not pirate speak. To cover that base, there's uh, um, Mina is t- speaking to somebody who's piratey and talking. I don't know what he's talking about. I think she's asking about superstition. He's like, oh, it's poppycock, like that kind of thing. But <laughs> instead, of just, and hog swamp. <laughs> instead of just saying those words, he goes into these weird, like two page long monologues of just <laughs> pirate speak. And I don't understand what he's saying. Good stuff. But it's. I I was I felt tension. My heart was pounding at the end of Dune, like mm-hmm. uh, during that, like last scene with yeah. him and the emperor and uh another person fade uh and i I was actually like feeling nervous like what is going to happen um and and then like with uh dracula there's like the couple scenes where it it slowly reveals all the horror of what dracula actually is Mm -hmm. and there's the part where he's climbing like a lizard face or head head downwards against the along the wall and it's just like jesus i didn't think i could be scared of a book (laughs) yeah those images they stick in your head we're gonna get into that in episode 153 is the vampire one but yeah no there's a lot of that and then i've been watching a lot of werewolf and uh vampire movies Mm -hmm. to prepare for those episodes yeah um get excited people we're doing a bunch of horror movie monsters yay october spooky episodes um in case our regular episodes weren't morally scarring enough for you. <laughs> morally scarring? Morally scarring. How, like, you mean that we scar their morals? Like, they look at their morals and go like, oh my god, like, I like my I will never view my morals again. Or like... 
we're what so we're doing we are so like, morally upsetting to them that we cause them to reconsider their worldview and uh, go full bleak nihilistic life is meaningless we cause mass psychosis <laughs> that's us <laughs> uh yeah no so reading is a thing again um i'm so excited i don't think i've done anything else it's all been werewolves and vampire stuff and dune i have watched the dune trailer upwards of 30 times it's impressive i have several theories about it now Mm -hmm. uh which once the second trailer comes out if there's gonna be a second trailer i'm sure there will coming out in two months three months um three months two months and three weeks okay a week ago three months December 18th. Anyway. Anyway. Once the second trailer comes out, we're going to, I think we should do a Minnesota probably uh, theory because so. there's some, there's some scenes or shots in the trailer that are like, that isn't in the book at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is be. a character in a place where they should not be. <laughs> yep. Um, so we're going to do that. But I think that's all I've been up to. Okay. What kind of news is there? Uh, I one. we I got, can't see my phone. I take we, screenshots on my phone. We but... got a teaser for WandaVision. That's a thing. Yeah looks fine really fine that's what you got from that that's that was your conclusion that that's your that's all you can say to me is fine (laughs) it's i don't think i don't trust disney to give me enough of a twist from what we can already figure out that they have retreated like she has used her powers to retreat into a mental limbo for mm-hmm. him to recover and then they're gonna get out but like in there they like they don't know they're in there and it's gonna start kind of unraveling and sending him through like the um maybe like she's seen all these shows so these are her ideas of what time was like back then and it's kind of going through like her idea of like personifying her idea of what time was like back then mm-hmm. sending it through trying to figure out what's going on there's gonna be like there's those two actors uh and i don't know their names that I think are going to be a through line. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be the two of them are in a hospital or like in some area where those two people are shield agents taking care of them, or maybe a Hydra agents. That's probably the twist they're going to go with because they don't ever surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think it's not going to be a particularly provocative show. Yeah. When they are p- portraying it to seem like it's going to be. Okay. I think they're promising too much. That's fair. I also don't like Disney right now. <laughs> That's the also long thing. I'm pretty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am. I am intrigued. Um, I do think your explanation is a plausible one, mm-hmm. and I think that that's probably likely what the the direction is roughly going to be. But it wouldn't surprise me if they throw some crazy stuff in there and do something completely different. I don't we know. don't. I mean, the thing is, like, Mandalorian looks really good. So I don't doubt that this show is going to look really good. Um, But they have not done anything to prove to me that I'm going to get something new. Like, it it feels like it's just going to be the same washed up story, just dressed up differently. Okay. Very differently. Multiple, multiple differently. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm excited to see the references. Like, Mm -hmm. we get the, the really cheesy green and yellow vision yep uh we get her, her like classic her costume, classic costume yeah, and stuff like that stuff. um i don't know yeah i'm just 
I'm going to go into it with really low expectations. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. But that's also not coming out for a hot minute. It's coming out in December? No. Is it? Yep. Oh. Maybe I'm confusing it with for Black Widow that got pushed back again. Black Widow got pushed back again. Um, But that's different because that's theaters. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out in November, but they pushed that one back. And they just started reshooting or started reshooting, started shooting again. So they pushed that one back to sometime in 2021 and moved this one up because I Mm, imagine that's probably what confused me. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. That's what's going on with that. I'm uh, low expectations. I'm intrigued. I'll say that much. Okay. I didn't go into it like, whoa, this is going to be crazy. But I was like, there could be some really interesting stuff here. We'll see what happens. I had news screenshotted on my phone. Moving on. (laughs) Vin Diesel put out a pop song. What? Vin Diesel, pop song, released. I, no. (laughs) What? I haven't listened to it. I I just saw that on the drive over here. That is so weird. Uh, We have a Hawkman actor. Yes, yes, we do. Don't know who it is. Aldous Hodge. Who that? Aldous Hodge. Uh, he was in Invisible Man. Um, mm. He was one of the main supporting characters. He was quite good in that. Okay. Um, he's been in some other stuff. He's in Straight Outta Compton. He was in Hidden Figures. Um, I vaguely remember him from that. Uh, oh, he was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. He was one of the kids. That's kind of cool. Whoa. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, he's he's been in stuff. Oh, he was in Black Museum, the Black Mirror episode, which you probably haven't gotten to yet. Nope. Cool. Yeah. All right. So we'll see what happens. He's a good actor. Good. Um, I don't have any reason to to doubt his capabilities for this particular role. I'm wondering if they're going uh, purely people of color, Thanagar, Thanagarians, mm. Than- Thanagar, Thanagar, Thanag- Thanoscar. <laughs> I don't think I, I think it's always been Thanagarian Thanag Thanagarians or Thanag it's Thanagar is the city or is mm-hmm. the is the planet Thanag Thanagarian Thanagarian I've never said it out loud <laughs> <laughs> Epitome <laughs> Facade uh, uh, There's something Oh uh, Superman uh, Henry Cavill is not doing any reshoots for the Snyder Cut so I'm curious what they're gonna do with that mm, they're gonna CGI the whole thing oh, and good. it's still gonna be better than the mustache version <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, Avatar 2 has finished shooting really yep Avatar 3 is close to having finished shooting God, I keep forgetting these things are happening yeah but I imagine a lot of those are gonna be in the post-production mm-hmm. like it's kind of mandalorian deal like yeah it's all effects shoot some stuff it takes like 13 days on. to shoot principal photography and then it's just huh what what's that supposed to be <laughs> you just you, it's a little sound of you placing effects into the to the, to the movie what do you think computers are <laughs> Do you think they're like fleshy, like blobs that you just kind of toss on things? <laughs> they're, 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 they're demon witch things. Then to you, they are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um. Anything else before we dive into the terrifying topic? Terrifying. Mm. Maybe I've caused you moral terror. 
This is your episode, so you got to start. This the is whole... true. I got to start the whole thing. So we've been promising this forever, literally forever since the beginning of time. <laughs> there has been the echoes throughout the nothingness of the ether of space. That before space was a space, before the beginning of the gods, there was the whisper of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this episode this is the great debate. You know, generally we tend to agree on stuff. Uh, generally, generally, we have our we have our different opinions. Oh, of course, but we we often tend to line up on the big picture stuff, mm-hmm. and um, we're it's rare that you'll find us strongly different on something. Yeah, except if we're trying to answer the question: Is art objective? I mean, which I feel my... like is an imprecise wording of the question, just to begin with. But so. I've thought about that, and I, while doing my research, I think we need to refine it to, is the fine arts, because art is a subsection of the fine arts, to make that a little bit clearer. So when we say mm-hmm. art, when we're talking about paintings and shit, yeah. we mean art. Is the fine arts, can the fine arts be objectively good or bad? That's the question. That is the question. I say yes. Yes, they can. Absolutely. I say it is entirely a matter of feeling and it is entirely subjective quality. Mm -hmm. And there is so many ways we can start this topic. I think I'm kind of, well, I'm the one in the hot seat. I'm kind of the one with the controversial opinion. We posted posted a poll on Instagram asking people what they thought. We have two people that voted in favor of you. Yep. One of which admitted to (laughs) confusing the two. Which I feel like if you're, uh, no offense, Carter, I feel like if you're dumb enough to mix up the two, you don't know what you're talking about in the first place. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, the other one is uh, Gage's wife, and yep. I have not had the chance to get her uh, take on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the only I have had one person that has kind of edged towards your direction. Uh, and that was at game night the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of Andrew's friends came over and he said he thinks he knows a certain way that you can sort of the where you can place the incision to come to that conclusion mm-hmm. that's a weird way to put that i might see what he means well he didn't say that. that was my, those were my words okay. that i just came up with right now <laughs> <laughs> i might see what your version of him that you have created in your head to explain his idea to me sees exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Woo. all right so so i'm gonna i'm gonna start i have a thesis, a one-sentence thesis. Okay. I have a one-sentence caveat to that thesis. I have a one-sentence caveat to the caveat. Okay. You're going to make this so hard to take you <laughs> apart by just... Oh, this is this is just... This is the start. I, oh, I, I did not get everything written down I wanted to get written down. I have written about half of like the background layer to my argument. I've got two pages of notes. I also have two pages of notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, first off, I think this is going to go one of three ways. Okay. Either we're going to realize that we're talking about the exact same thing. We just have a different interpretation <laughs> of it. hope that's the case. <laughs> like, I want it to be... Okay. Host Preston, mm-hmm. content creator, wants this to be a riveting and like, and but not like heated debate. One right. that like we're both like, oh yeah, I can back see and that forth in with this. good ideas, with great and ideas, conflict, everything rebutted and everything countered. And <laughs> sense of humor, Preston wants it to fucking go <laughs> thirty seconds for us to go. Oh wait, yeah, ah, crap. <laughs> 
I could see it. Honestly, and then best friend Preston wants this to just be the the nicest thing where we just kind of like go, all right, we're different. Okay, that's the yeah. end of it. So one of the way, either we're gonna realize that we had more in common than than we thought all along. I think I think that's I think in that I think one. that's likely. Um, I think it's unlikely that one of us is actually good at. We're going to disagree, and one of us is going to outright persuade the other. Right. I think it's possible, but unlikely. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping for a healthy respect for my worldview, but a I already do have a healthy respect for your worldview. With all of the research I've done, I've gotten so far into the philosophy of things. You like me. The. <laughs> <laughs> The the research I've done has still drawn me to my own conclusion, but I understand all of the things that mm-hmm. lead people to this conclusion. Um, so I already do. Like, going into this, I'm already like, I can see how you think this, mm-hmm. but the nature of this debate is philosophical. Yeah, that's the heart. third way this is going to end, is we're going to come up against some philosophical difference. See, the thing is... When you look at, like, the great debates of philosophy, and you look mm-hmm. at these, like, these essays and stuff... And unless you get the philosophers that are just outright dicks to each other mm-hmm. and start and start getting into the logical fallacies and stuff like that, like ad yeah. hominems and stuff like that, which we're not going to do. No promises. <laughs> um, <laughs> the point is to further the conversation. Right. And I think that's where this is going to lead is that we're both like, I can see. Mm-hmm. However, and that's how these always how these like yeah. in Greece and in the in the golden age of philosophy, they had the debates in the uh, uh, um, Agarath, like the in mm-hmm. in high high Athens, right? They had debates. They would get up on stage, and Socrates and whoever else wanted to go to uh, go to town with him, mm-hmm. go toe to toe with him. That's what I was trying to think of. Uh, also, go to town. Would, <laughs> <laughs> they would stand up there in front of people and just go, "Ah, yes." But the question is about this. Like, mm-hmm. would you not think that this were the case? And the person mm-hmm. would go, "I understand. Yes, that is the case." But what of in this thing? And they're like, mm-hmm. it's just this back and forth, right? And I think we can start really early on with kind of going factual and not and staying out of the philosophy. But once we start, once the traction has hit philosophy, yeah, I, it's going to be that. <laughs> I see two very specific points that we're going to run up against each other philosophically, I yeah. think. And that's, I, I think that's the most likely way that this is going to end. Yeah. Either that or someone's going to die. See, the, <laughs> it might not be one of us. We might be talking so much about philosophy that someone who's like of your mind that hates philosophy is just, maybe your head's just going to explode. By the way, I don't hate philosophy for what it's worth. You? I may have been sandbagging a little bit. Are you serious? A little bit. No way. I don't love philosophy. And my my point about it being 85% nonsense, 10% uh, redundant, and 5% interesting holds, I think. But I don't hate it. You've been playing me for months, you (laughs) bastard. (laughs) Were we even talking about doing this episode when we had the first, when Matt came out? I think so. Had we? Okay. We'd, I mean, we'd we'd been sort of ephemerally planning it to do it at some point. Yeah. Bring an ephemeral back. Wow. That. Yeah. That's a. It's a callback to a thing that people don't know exists. Yeah. Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good uh, word. Um. Yeah. Part of what I'm also intrigued with with this whole debate is more of a meta question of why I think this because like mm-hmm. it is clearly a controversial opinion. You ask someone on the street and they're gonna be like, oh yeah, no, it's it's subjective. It's all a matter yeah. of opinion. Like. For me, it has always been obvious that it would be objective. Yeah. 
always has been. It's uh, you've likely run into like confirmation bias. I, that was something. Yeah, that that's... I, was, I was playing myself a lot where I was yeah. like, tell me how art is subjective. And then I'm just like, this is not going to help no. in a debate. Like yep. I need to look at is art objective or subjective. So I would actually right. find the, the essays and stuff that would say art is objective mm-hmm. and then find the things that kind of like got my wheels spinning. And then mm-hmm. that was how I got into the, right. <laughs> those, those <laughs> little rabbit holes. Philosophical rabbit holes. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. I think, so you've got a thesis. I do have a thesis. I want to see if we can define some things first. Okay. Let's define some things. What is subjectivity and objectivity? Uh, I've got the literal like Webster definitions with me. Let's hit those and then bounce okay. off them. So the Webster, Webster defines subjective as based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. Mm-hmm. And then objective is not influenced by personal feelings or opinions in considering and representing facts. Yep. Word facts now comes in. Yep. I did not get the... Wait, I hang on. I have it somewhere. Oh, nerds. Where did I put... This is this is disappointing. Your, right. your preparation so, has come to naught. It's almost as if someone hacked your computer. Wait, did you really? Like No. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have access to where this is. That's true. So you could have just gone in and been like, hey, 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 and deleted everything. <laughs> no, I would have just messed with it a little bit. But, uh, and then I want to define what art is. Art okay. is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. I can get on board with that. Yeah. Um, I want to extend the definition a little bit to include what I'd call the literary arts. Okay. Um, literature, film, mm-hmm. um, poetry, stuff that's, that's words-based. Yes. Um, and that, I think, adds a narrative level where it's not just about beauty and emotional response it's also about moral response and sort of um oral tradition storytelling is all about like setting up reasons for things and explaining why certain traditions are done certain ways Mm -hmm. and modern storytelling is it's it's sort of an obscured version of the same thing you know stuff has messages stuff has reasons for for being stuff has stuff that it's trying to say Mm -hmm. questions that it's trying to get you to ask Call back to our uh, themes, themes episode. That was a yeah, that was a good good episode. Yeah, but I think I'm on on board with all this so far. Okay, I think that's all I've got when it comes to specifically definitions. Okay, cool. Um, any oh, other? Oh, hang on, there it is. Found it. Okay. Uh, the scientific uh, in the book by Barry Gower, the scientific method, uh, scientific method colon mm-hmm. a historical and philosophical introduction. So this mm-hmm. actually introduces both science and philosoph- philosophy connected. Okay. Fact is verifiable. Okay. That is the essentially the essence of a fact. It is verifiable. Okay. And that is actually This could crux. be a sticking point. That is a crux to one of my arguments. That argument is going to fall apart. Oh, no. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So what's your thesis? Thesis. There exist objective standards by which the quality of art objects can be evaluated. Objection. That hits my immediate point. <laughs> Did you say subjection? Uh, not objection uh okay i want to hear your caveat and caveat first okay caveat the objective standards are ultimately humanly unknowable we can make a concrete definition of a standard but exceptions will inevitably exist okay um i want to explain this a little bit um anyone who tells you if they know for certain that a work is good or bad or better or worse than another one is lying they're wrong did you happen to come across the name human at all I'm aware of Hume, but I did no research for this. This is all off the top of my own head. Hume has a thing. His He's got a whole thing on the, the standard of truth. 
Mm-hmm. The, he's the one that like was kind of my entry into the rabbit hole. Uh-huh. We're going to get into that. I, okay. will, I will use him. So what's your caveat? I, I, I'll get into where all of my things are mm-hmm. in natural places. Yeah. Basically, my point with the caveat is if you want to model a system, you either have to trade off um, exceptions or complexity. Mm-hmm. So um, if you want to absolutely precisely model weather or something Mm -hmm. if you want to do it absolutely perfectly the model becomes the real world thing Mm -hmm. the same inputs the same outputs if you want to come up with a usable approximation a simple enough model exceptions fall through the cracks Mm -hmm. if you want to come up with an actual objective standard by which you can measure all art it's just going to be a catalog of all art so this really delves into like something that i came across was uh, I deleted that point because I started getting into literal physics. Um, the theory on the theory of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was that? Hang on. Heisenberg. Heisenberg's, Heisenberg's uncertainty, uncertainty principle. principle. Yep. Which is basically like the, the atoms. You can't know both its position. I love the, have you, have you heard the joke of the Heisenberg's, uh, getting pulled over yes that's <laughs> a good one uh so for people that don't know the heisenberg principle is you cannot know both the location and the momentum mm-hmm. of any of a, specifically a particle mm-hmm. uh he uses atoms in that case a particle is pulled over speeding down the highway the officer rolls has him roll down the window and says do you know how fast you were going the particle says no sir but i know exactly where i was you heard the second part there's follow-up he goes you were going 180 miles an hour and he goes oh now i'm lost <laughs> 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 good stuff yeah also that's gonna come back uh, that, was it an article by medium no oh because there was one that was by was a, medium that's not how medium on works medium? on medium on medium yeah because there was one that uh, thing. like i said i did no research for this yeah okay no no this is all out of my own head okay which that's a dangerous feels like hubris <laughs> but also i don't want to i don't like relying on the opinions of others this is this is my See, thoughts that i i have consciously thought about this question for like a decade the way that i have done my research is look at people's thoughts and then have my own thoughts based on them right like if i agree with them then i'm like oh hell yeah and then if i mm-hmm. see like counterpoints i'm like mm, i disagree like the mm-hmm. or just it's just interesting stuff yeah but what's your caveat to your caveat caveat to the caveat the fact that this caveat yeah i would say caveat i know i tricked you into it no you didn't <laughs> you're not that into my head caveat to the caveat <laughs> The fact that the standards are unknowable doesn't mean they can't be at least approximated on some level or that we shouldn't try to approximate them. You know, we can't say for certain, absolutely, that Batman Begins is better than Catwoman. Mm -hmm. But we can come up with a list of pretty good reasons, a pretty good argument why it is. That's what a lot of art criticism comes down to. It's not opinions as much as trying to tease out what those objective facts are. Not facts, objective truth. I want to clarify that, that is word. The, that is a big wanna, one that comes flying through. I do want to clarify that word. So I want to get to, oh man. So I've heard your your things, your thesis okay. and your caveats. Caveats, caveats, caveats. 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 Isn't like schwetz? Oh, schwetz is sweating. I'm schwetzing. Schwetzing. Um... Do I introduce my counter to your thesis or to that uh, the last caveat, like kind of the last two caveats? Which one know. would you? You're in charge here. 
No, you're in the hot seat. <laughs> this is true, and I have laid out the argument. I'm All awaiting right. a counter-argument. So I'm going to go with the... I'm going to go with the caveat. Okay. So Hume's standard of truth doesn't deny subjectivity. Like, So his standard no, of, of truth not. is essentially talking about that there can be an objective mm-hmm. objectivity. Mm-hmm. But his prior works were all in favor of subjectivity of aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so the standard truth doesn't deny his subjectivity, but it, uh, but it, uh, and it doesn't confuse. It talks about critics mm-hmm. and the people that say if it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And let me jump in. I wanted to make one more point okay. related to that. Okay. Um, if I say, or if a critic or anyone in general says, I really liked that movie. That is a subjective opinion. I'm saying, I liked it. My enjoyment was this. That is your truth. We can get into that later. No. No, it's not. If I say, I think that movie was really good, I'm making an objective argument. I'm not making an objective statement of fact, of truth. I'm saying, I think that the objective case is that it's good. I can back that up with an argument. Mm -hmm. It's not ultimately knowable. Okay. So, he doesn't confuse good and bad critics to true and false sentiments okay so he doesn't say that a good critic has true sentiments okay he gives five criteria for identifying a good critic okay someone who you can essentially take their them saying this is good art Mm -hmm. and it could arguably be objective good art Mm -hmm. first one is strong sense okay and that means Oh, what does that mean? Oh, no, I didn't take that good note. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I remember this. I took a whole class on this. This point, is something but... that essentially like it is they're I guess, of sound mind and like they're not yeah. they're, they're they're educated, essentially. Yeah, they have good judgment. Yeah. Generally, uh, the next one kind of uh, related to it is uh, united to delicate. What? United to delicate sentiment. Preston. You did this recent. You literally wrote these notes today. This isn't going well. <laughs> no, okay, so I have a point here that critics of different types of art, mm-hmm. like they're united to to specifically like the, their criteria. Mm-hmm. So right. I could say that that's a good movie. Yep. I'm an engineer. Yeah. I'm not really qualified to say that. Right. So you need a film critic to say if that movie is good. Not necessarily. Not necessarily, but someone who is. Uh, more informed so he goes okay. into vulgar and refined taste mm-hmm. to where vulgar taste like they're both subject to the rules of the content mm-hmm. uh but refined mm-hmm. taste is more informed about it vulgar taste like social sausage party refined taste likes um oh i don't want to think about sausage example party. of better movie um the so the five i'm just going to read through the five strong sense united and delicate sentiment improved by practice perfected by comparison and cleared of all prejudice okay basically those are the criteria for if you are a good critic basically you Mm -hmm. are of of sound mind you uh you don't have a prejudice basically if you're like i like that uh, that's a good movie Mm -hmm. because it's like this other movie that i like like or like you this is a good movie because i like it i yeah i i have an inbuilt preference for sort of slice of life movies where mm-hmm. it's not a beginning middle end story you just take a chunk out of characters lives over a couple of months or something and you say okay this is it this is the movie mm-hmm. that's an inbuilt bias i have to account for it when i'm yeah. judging movies um the uh, improved by practice and perfected by comparison i think that means that is essentially you have done it so much and it's been mm-hmm. 
compared to you look at a critic that says this movie or uh, this movie is a really good mm-hmm. movie and you compare what they have said in the past about a movie that has also been basically deemed objectively mm-hmm. good and they have said also that that is a good movie mm-hmm. yeah they they have a refined and consistent taste they yes. have their... one that's both refined yeah. and consistent and accurate to the objective good because if you take someone who says this movie's really good and all the other good critics good critics mm-hmm. say uh that it is also a good movie but mm-hmm. you look back at them watching godfather one and they're like this is a trash movie mm-hmm. suddenly they are not a good critic or it's a breakdown of their approximations because ultimately everything's just approximations when you're talking about trying to evaluate something next to an objective standard that's that that goes back to the uh the, I think the caveat. Your sense of, i think this is where we're going to start hitting that one point where your sense of objective is a lot more relaxed no it's more precise, but it's harder to get at. Okay. I'll explain in a minute, but finish your thing with Hume. That's pretty much it. Oh. It's just, it's it's the five criteria. Okay. And it's things that are nearly impossible to achieve. Like, no one can be those five. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I said the objective standards are ultimately humanly unknowable. See, that's where I'm stuck on what you're, like... If it's not achievable, mm-hmm. I, I guess you're you're kind of going more celestial in some way. In some way, I'm gonna or end up getting a little theological here eventually, but because it's like you can say you can you can branch into things like we're going to go. So objective means that you are saying the mm-hmm. fact, and you can say we are going to go live in the Horsehead Nebula. Okay. That may be super, super, super far in the future, mm-hmm. but it's achievable. Mm-hmm. But that can still be objectively true. Right. But if we're talking about fine arts being objectively good, mm-hmm. if it's unachievable, mm-hmm. I guess that can kind of, I, I, I can see that argument, mm-hmm. but that kind of defeats the purpose of the philosophical question of like, why do we strive for objective good if it's impossible to tech, impossible to identify because it's good and important to approximate it. I feel like the approximation just like is a. That's not satisfying to me. Like that, okay. that's not a satisfying. You're not meant to be satisfied. I know. I know it's not meant to be satisfying. Would you like me to lay out my proof for the objective but hidden true standard? See, now we've hit a point where this is going to be a like just we're both shooting guns at <laughs> at like web, at targets. Like shoot, we're dueling, but we're both aiming 17 feet to the right. <laughs> and this is not going to be a debate anymore because we're just going to say different things at this point. Well, you're taking offense to my notion that there's an objective truth, but it's not achievable. Yeah. And, and, that, you, and you think that doesn't make sense. It makes sense in, in like a superficial way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it, it lacks the human substance, which I think is if you look at the, the the essence of what art is, is human substance. I'm going to come back to that. But first, I want to prove that it's true. Okay. Do you agree that two plus two equals four? Oh, yes. Great. I win. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can find us on <laughs> <laughs> Never mind.
Do you agree that two plus two would equal four, regardless if you or I were here to actually say, hey, does two plus two equal four? Yeah. Yes. That one takes a little more thinking about it, a little more rationalization. But the idea is the words always... two and two and four and equals and plus are just kind of a dressing up of a an absolute truth. That this and this is this. Yeah. Always true. You, you said this and this is this. You did this and this. This and this. Don't have yeah, a, there you go. Yeah, this. I, yeah, this. Math and is this hard, is guys. This. <laughs> That's just hand motions. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, it's the thing about math, right? I mean, it's basically eternally true. It is the essence of the universe boiled down to its pure truthiness. Okay. And our human approach to mathematics might not be useful or interesting to some other species, which really cool tangent that I realized last time I watched Arrival when they're talking about there's a scene maybe halfway through where all the scientists from different countries are talking amongst each other about what they've learned from each other. And one of them, uh, I think one of the British scientists says they don't understand anything about our algebra, but higher level stuff they understand. And that makes so much sense. Algebra is all about like manipulating from one point in time to a different point in time. Yeah. The equations, the aliens, the, the heptapods don't think that way. Yeah. So that was a really cool throwaway line. I think. I think that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing Denis Villeneuve. Point is, uh, our algebra, our quadratic equations, it doesn't matter if it would be useful or um, make sense necessarily even to an alien. It's true. It just is true. Mm-hmm cool so far yes all right there exists in some pure idealized abstracted form absolute truth two plus two equals four doesn't yeah. matter all right let's talk about chess i like chess chess is fun it's a oh, good game no. <laughs> chess it's, a, it, it's, it's actually a really interesting game from a philosophical perspective like it's a very simple closed system with very simple defined rules and it's unbelievably complex mm -hmm. do you know how many possible chess games there are uh, it's like 14 quadrillion or something like that like so just a point of reference there are 10 to the power of 80 atoms in the universe mm -hmm. there's 10 to the 120 possible games of chess <laughs> <laughs> there's 10 to the 40 quote-unquote sensible games of chess mm -hmm. which games that would be recognizable as hey these are two players that kind of know what they're doing and they're trying to play to win subjectively yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and that that's fair but like you can come up with kind of rough heuristics approximations shall we say for um uh for for what a, a reasonable chess game looks like um, there's some really interesting computer science research on how you actually figured this out, but that's kind of like, a side point. The way that I'm envisioning this is like, all right, which of us, we're both in a gun range and we're both shooting at targets. And I'm like, which <laughs> of us can shoot that target better? <laughs> and we're looking at different targets and we both hit our targets like dead center. I'm going to make my argument. <laughs> I'm going to make my argument more because the problem is you're finding my argument unsatisfying, not. It's different from like, you're arguing a different point than mine though. Mm -hmm. uh, like the the framework in which we are arguing is different mm -hmm. you are looking at like i i my argument is can someone create an objectively good art and can we understand objectively good art and you're looking at 
can it exist regardless if we know it or not? Well, even if we can't know it, we can guess it. And we can guess it not, I mean, reasonably close. Guess it based on subjective matters. Because what if the objectively good art that we don't know is objectively good art Mm -hmm. is Catwoman from 2004? What if that is just like the ethereal, like theologically objectively good art? It's not. How do you know? How are you supposed to know? (laughs) I have some very good approximations. We have approximations based on assumptions built from subjectivity. And that's my big point Mm -hmm. is that our objectively good art is built on the communal subjectivity Mm -hmm. consensus by people throughout time. As long as you can go back, like you play if any human, any animal that can comprehend anything at any point and Mm -hmm. has the ability to comprehend things like Catwoman and... What's a, just a fantastic movie? Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> there we go, yeah. Can say, with what we've learned, can say Spider-Verse is a better movie. Mm-hmm. Because of all of these reasons we've all consen- uh, conceived together that this is good. Yes. But it's all based on subjectivity. No. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'll get. I'll get into it. I, I need to build okay. through my chest. I'm crossing my legs in an uncomfortable manner. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I'm always dancing. Like which leg goes on top of which one? <laughs> I don't understand. All right. So there's a lot of chess games in the universe. If you boil chess down to some very simple elemental positions, you can come up with situations where it is absolutely true. Like I have constructed very simply a position where it is white's move. And there's one move that checkmates immediately. All other moves draw immediately. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Very easy to do. Objectively true. This is the right move. With an end goal. With an end goal. That is an important part. You need to have a system with a defined end goal. That's another one of my points that I'll get into. Right. Which I'm sure we'll... Maybe that, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a small target, though. I think we might be aiming for at the same time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you have to define an end goal. And that's... With chess, it's easy. You achieve checkmate. Take the other guy's king. No. Ow, cramp. No. You checkmate. Not take the other guy's king. It's different important that it's different all right so i make the situation more complex on the chessboard and you can guess you can you strong chess players have built up these heuristics you can look at a position and say okay well this guy's up this much material and the pawn structure looks like such and there's these dynamic factors and this guy's king's safer and you can come up with a good guess for what the objective evaluation of the situation is and a good guess for what the best move is mm-hmm. um computers chess computers can brute force calculate just dozens of moves into the future Mm -hmm. um there's a story i couldn't find the source um but i remember hearing about it a decade ago the computer top computer championships at one point um like 10 15 years ago uh the number one computer was playing against one of the weaker but still very strong computers um and they were playing what just felt like kind of a normal position and then all of a sudden the strong computer announced mate in 41 first (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> brute force just calculate all the way to the end this is how it has to go huh um but that's that's going to run into physical limitations yeah um if you could encode every single possible chess game on an atom in the universe you still wouldn't have enough storage space mm-hmm. to prove objective truth you know i just thought about this like while you were talking my brain kind of calculated the way that that would work in terms of probability okay. so let's say like white so white goes first right yeah uh white he had to ask i thought i knew because it's fire before smoke like i 
thought that, but also smoke can be white. So I was like, wait a second. Um, <laughs> so any first move you can make, it will neural net. Cause you, you met, we talked about this before, mm-hmm. like using data analytics, like neural net is the best way to do it. If, if mm-hmm. this moves, these are the possible moves. Like it goes all the way to the end mm-hmm. of if I make the best move where it gives me the best chance they will also make the best move mm-hmm. and then it goes down that kind of tree of like right all the way to the end of the best move which one like the move i make right now might be the one that has the best move mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. but the end goal if we're both making these objective uh, objectively best move they will actually win so the second best move if you take the ob- because that's you not re- that's not how chess calculation works but oh well i mean that's how I envision a perfect computer that can. No, a, a perfect computer says this is the best move because even if they play the best response, they're still in trouble. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like they say this move creates this interesting idea. But if I go eight moves down the line, I lose. That's what I'm saying. It's like you look at this move and you go, OK, then their best move. And then you like right. 13 moves down the line, they mate. So then you go to this one and that's the one that. Right. But yeah. the question is. What if the computer made like the uh, the opposing computer made the second best move that the then first computer faster. didn't calculate? So like it was like oh it's going to go for the best move so I make the best move that they're going to make the best move but what if they make the second <laughs> best move which twists it and then now makes now puts them in This the is game. getting slightly off track but how does the how does the computer find the the best move if it hasn't thought about the second best move or what the second best move might be? Good point. I know. I don't know. Anyway, this isn't the movie we're talking about. This isn't the movie we're talking about. (laughs) So, in a more complex situation than something where you can't encode every possible outcome on an atom, you you don't have enough literal data. Mm -hmm. There's an objective truth there, but it'd need a re-understanding of our laws of physics to figure out what it actually is. There is a best move, and if you have more atoms, more computer space, you can figure out what it is. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Now I'm talking about like an idealized chess game. Like mm-hmm. this is the game. This is the rules. There aren't even really players. It's just a game that is happening. Mm-hmm. Just a, a machine game. And I think it's all well and good to talk about it in those terms. And we can talk about art in those terms. You can take an object and you can just separate it from itself and say, box art of the fugue is unto itself the best music. Okay. It's pretty great. I yeah. listened to it while I was writing these notes just to get in the objective mm-hmm. headspace, you know? Good. Yeah. So... In an actual chess game, set aside computer games for a second, because that's kind of the objective realm anyway. Mm-hmm. You usually have two humans sitting across from each other, right? Two humans that even if they know the objective truth about a position, aren't going to find the best move every time. Mm-hmm. They're going to be informed by their own blindness, their own particular understanding of the game, their own history with it. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a situation where there are three good moves to choose from. And one of them is objectively the best. You can prove that these leads to the best possible outcome. Um, But in an actual practical game, it's going to depend on the people playing. Mm -hmm. You're going to have one person who um, is super aggressive. And this move, it sacrifices a whole rook and they get a big attack for it. And it might work out. It might not. That's maybe they go for that. You have a, like a just nice active player and they can like put their knight up here and they're creating some threats and it's a, it's a nice powerful move. 
Um, and then you can have a defensive player and they say, okay, well, I'm worried about what my opponent's going to do over here. I play this defensive move. Three different moves and they could all have objectively roughly the same evaluation. You can hierarch them any way you want. Mm-hmm. Hierarch, is that a verb? It is now. Mm-hmm. Add it to the Plexicon. Someone needs to go back and actually find our Plexicons. Plexiconisms. That poor soul. <laughs> Enjoy the history. <laughs> um. So the best move is dependent on a condition which is outside of the game board. It's dependent mm-hmm. on the people playing the game. I want to call this a meta-objective best move. It's objective, but where the framework is two players playing the game. You introduce the human element into it. Mm-hmm. Art's kind of the same way. You can take Art of the Fugue and you can say, okay, here is this piece of music and I can break it down to these specific components and it is good it achieves its goals but art isn't just a a floating object art is a two-way street it's an experience it's a shared experience between the artist and the audience Mm -hmm. right so there's a meta objectivity there how well does this particular audience member react to this particular artist's creation you have to step back and say, okay, include the human variable. Okay. What's your point? That is my, that's my point. You can, you can talk about um, objective standards for like actual art, but you can also, you can, you can take it back a step and you can say, you can talk about objective standards for the human experience, which is art. Yeah. Um, and it's, it ups the complexity, the number of variables by orders of magnitude that are completely unfathomable. You go from, 10 to the 120 possible chess games to 10 to the 120 possible chess games plus times 7 billion people times 10 more billion people for all of history. I don't know how many people have ever been alive. I think it's fewer than you expect. I see your point. You can say something is objectively good to a particular experience space, sort of. Yeah. Like... It's simultaneously easier and this harder. This movie is objectively good to people who've experienced a certain thing. So an example that I that I used mm-hmm. is actually, oh, another watch I've been up to. I watched Inside Out. Oh, finally. And Did I you... cried like four times. Thank goodness. <laughs> you do have a soul. Somewhere deep down in there. That movie is objectively more impactful Mm -hmm. to people who have moved when they're older Mm -hmm. than to people who have not moved when they're older. Mm -hmm. Because my girlfriend and I both moved older than eighth grade. Right. And that is that experience of just like having nowhere and stuff like that. And all those feelings that it explains Mm -hmm. like is objectively a much better movie to us Right. Than it is to someone who's been where they are the whole their whole life. Right. And has never felt that feeling of not having friends and stuff. Right. Um and, this... and so like with mm-hmm. fine arts, you take a very specific condition in person and it can be objectively good. Mm-hmm. But the global objectivity is unachievable because you can't make something that is perfectly objectively good for every single entity that can observe that entertainment. Right. And this is where I'm going to get a little bit theological. Okay. If we assume and sort of an idealized Edenic human, someone who has the perfect set of experiences and is the, the perfect idealized person, 
then their meta objective art is going to be the the objective good art mm -hmm. this person does not exist this person will never exist we're all approximations of the meta objective person mm -hmm. our experiences are all approximations our meta objective spaces are all approximations of what it would feel like to be the objective person that experiences the objectively good art I feel like this just doesn't answer the question though. Like the, at least the question that I think a lot of people are like going into this episode mm -hmm. asking okay, is that, is there criteria that can make them objectively good? Yep. We just don't know exactly what they are. We never will. Probably not, but we can, we can come up with a good guess and that's, it's kind of the fun of it. Like if it's all just opinion, so that is just masturbation. The, that's not where I saw that going. <laughs> so I could say that all every single bit of art is both objectively good and bad, because since we will never know which one it is, it's Schrodinger's art, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not wrong. If we're going with that argument, that the objectivity, like the object objective quality is mm -hmm. completely unknowable for humans. Not completely. It's you, you see it through a mirror darkly. We don't know for certain that Batman Begins is better I than Catwoman. We kind of suspect that it is, though. And we kind of suspect that there are reasons I, it is. Like, we approximate based on... So you're making you're making two different arguments. So the argument, okay. the, the ultimate argument that I, that I buy mm -hmm. is that there is an objective good mm -hmm. somehow. Yep. But you are contradicting that with the fact that we approximate it based on our own opinions which is our subjectivity right like we well, can't if we can't know what the objective good is we can't approximate it because all approximation mm -hmm. is based on data of knowing so for weather because these we, conditions made a tornado right so we can approximate that these conditions might make a tornado right we have never seen the objective good right so we can't make approximations at all so all of our approximations are built on subjectivity solely. But we are an approximation of the thing that would be able to make that determination of objective good. That's just, it's part of our nature. We can kind of sense it. I kind of see what you're saying then. Like, the, the, the perfect artist would have experienced all of our experiences. Yeah. Everyone's all experience, all... So God, yeah, every, yeah, the, the, uh, or if you're not Christian, the divine, mm -hmm. um, and I will argue to the death that they, that a divine exists because you can go as far back as you want with, with creationism. Mm -hmm. And there's at some point where we're like, we don't know what happens before that. I'm like, damn Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> Different argument entirely, but I mean, I'm sympathetic to your point on this one, but, um, the, we are such a small fraction. I don't think I, I think we are so small of a fraction that our approximations are completely wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that you take experiences of someone from 1850 to watch a movie now. Right. Could completely hate it. Yeah. Watch Blade Runner 2049, which is pretty much critically accepted and critically acclaimed mm -hmm. as being a great thing based on our experiences, mm -hmm. which is good now, mm -hmm. could have been complete trash in 1934. Right. 
And so given that fact that any given chunk of time, mm-hmm. we may view things as complete garbage. Right. Like you have the things that withstand the test of time. So box right. stuff is like good. And Woo, go like Mona Lisa is apparently like subject, sub, subjectively good. We'll take it. <laughs> I'm going to say subjectively good. Um, We're the subjectivists. Like we can take that stuff. But then what about the people before it? Like the and the entities before it. And like, what mm-hmm. if in 300 years, people look back at Mona Lisa and go, oh, that's total horseshit. Like it's we because of the way that experience has changed and everything. Mm-hmm. Our approximation of the objective good is so contained to our tiny amount of data mm-hmm. that it's a that from a data analyst perspective yeah. is a terrible approximation and you would never use right like you might be making an approximation with the data with if you look at data specifically like the approximation based on what we have experienced i would say in the last 200 years i would venture to guess is probably a 0.03% confidence like just yeah incredibly tiny that we can't say is actually remotely close yeah and therefore i think that it it is so impossibly hard to to know what the approximation is that Mm -hmm. there is no approximation then why do we generally agree on because of the general uh, zeitgeist like the the we which which is why kind of i get into you can't make objectively good because mm-hmm. zeitgeist change drastically especially now okay like these days what could have been great and like what was great in 2000 is trash now mm-hmm. you look at the x-men like 2000 x-men intro and you're just like what the fuck is this but back then though <laughs> sorry bit. gage i'm really spewing the f-words um but you look at it now and you're like that is bad mm-hmm. and it like now it changes so rapidly but back in maybe like 1700 someone would make a painting and then that would be great for 70 years mm-hmm. um but so then why would stuff stand the test of time at all if it's so zeitgeist tied see that's that's what i'm saying is like withstand this test of time is such a new thing that was actually that actually came around with hume like that around mm-hmm. his era is when that test of time kind of mentality came out okay so it's relatively new mm-hmm. um, in the grand scheme of all yeah. of existence. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've also only like seriously been making, well, and also seriously been making particular types of art for a few hundred years. Yeah. And also consider that when we're talking like the, our conversation has been solely restricted to humans. Yeah. Intelligent life has maybe exists elsewhere i've I've actually seen arguments that have kind of convinced me maybe we are the lucky like things just happen to hit the right way i've seen good arguments either way i haven't yeah. decided um but let's say there is an intelligent mm-hmm. life form and we see their stuff and it's just like an amorphous blob made of some new element we're like what is this this is not art <laughs> and then so you add this entire new degree like uh, in, meta, to the meta exactly like yeah. where it's just this our approximation is so confined mm-hmm. that it's not an approximation. It's a, it's an observation and you can't, we are, Oh man, this is about to get real <laughs> just like <laughs> existential. <laughs> we are in the, in the, in the context of objectively good art, objectively objective truth. We mm-hmm. are, but a speck. <laughs> yeah. Any, any like any attempt to broaden what we what we would evaluate as 
the the data mm-hmm. could then be expanded beyond to make that new broad expansion one data point Mm -hmm. so what you can say is like ah in 2020 this is kind of that data point for the approximation model Mm -hmm. of the data of all of the years Mm -hmm. but then you're like okay the 20th century the 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 second millennium ad Mm -hmm. like third millennium ad like the second and third millennium because we are in the third millennium (laughs) uh like that is the single point mm-hmm. across the spectrum of humanity. And then you look at earth and like, that's the spectrum. That's the mm-hmm. single data point. It's does that make, does my point make sense? Yes. <laughs> I think you're wrong, but yes. <laughs> like it's, we are so the idea, I, I buy the idea that there can be some meta meta objective. Mm-hmm. Good art. Okay. But we're not there. Like, we're nowhere, like, we can't, maybe we are, maybe mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049 is the objectively perfect art, or, like, some movie that, maybe Dune is gonna be the objectively perfect art. Probably will. But, Did you see that trailer? <laughs> but, uh, until we can gather, like, it, 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 maybe it's an approximation, but it's the one that nails it. But, like, we can't know that. Mm-hmm. Because... We could be like, ah, it's an approximation that nails it mm-hmm. for Earth mm-hmm. as a whole, right. alive right now. Right. And yeah, cool. That you just you nailed the test data. You, <laughs> like you nailed you nailed a, an approximation that confines it to a particular meta objective set. Yeah. That's something. But again, my 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 broader point is that we can't approximate because we are so confined to the ultimately minuscule mm-hmm. and infinitesimally small frame of reference mm-hmm. that like I, I i buy that there's the objective truth but we ain't it <laughs> <laughs> let me take a step back i want to start with your aliens point if an alien has an amorphous blob of some random element we just don't have the tools to experience it yeah. it's it's like playing beethoven's ninth for a deaf person yeah they don't have the tools to experience it it might be objectively good but they can't tell that's what i'm saying right is it like you're saying that what the, the art that we're making now are approximations mm-hmm. but i'm saying that i guess this is more just from a data analytics perspective that <laughs> You can take your approximation and shove it, sir. So this this is going to go in a different <laughs> philosophical direction then. Because if, if human nature is a fixed constant, then you assume there are some human universals. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are going to tend those approximations to come back together if you properly equip the experiences. Yeah. I win! No. <laughs> <laughs> uh did i have any other points uh oh so i guess man all of my points were aiming aiming at a different target altogether i was pretty sure they would be but i want to use them anyway all right let's go through disprove any of your uh, points i'll shoot them down as they come (laughs) anyway just for the fun of it well no the thing is like my subjectivity sucks my my points are subjectivity Stupidjectivity. Okay. <laughs> so, my first point is that subjectivity is bred objectivity. 
Mm-hmm. That is like that's just that kind of point that I make. So um, is French bed bread objectively better than Italian bread? Bread objectivity. Oh, I'm gonna. Uh, there's the what is the artist trying to convey? And that gets into the meta objective space. You know, there's yeah. a they're putting something into it for a reason, and that actually is um. Art's a communicative medium, right? Like you're you're trying to communicate something, mm-hmm. be it an emotion experience, some transcendental sense of beauty. Um, and so going back to the chess thing, chess has a very simple, clearly defined goal. Art has a goal. It's just a little harder to pin down. It's a communication of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means you can like, you can lay out rules to it. Yeah. They're just orders of magnitude more complicated. Yeah. Um, so... Keep in mind the rest of my arguments are all around the uh, the the framework that we're talking about. If there is an objectively good art that a human that that is conceivable, mm-hmm. that like we can see it and go, that is an objectively good art. And art of the fugue. People can say no, it's not, and you can say you're actually wrong. Like let's say okay, mm-hmm. so you're like two plus two is four, and then someone goes no, it's five, and you go, you're like you're no actually actually wrong wrong. yeah um so this is under that framework that Mm -hmm. like you can actually claim that there that there exists content now Mm -hmm. that can be good or bad and that people who don't like it are actually wrong Mm -hmm. um so that's the framework that that's that's the difference like we okay so you actually we're actually flipped of your first ending Mm -hmm. that we're we're not actually arguing the same thing we're arguing four completely different things. <laughs> um, and I think the, the, I guess the point, so under that framework, do you think art is subjective? Do you think that like art as it, as it exists, mm-hmm. someone can think that a move, that a thing is bad and that they are actually just wrong. I'm going to be really annoying and say yes, but we can't know that for sure. Oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, do I, you, <sighs> Ignoring the yeah. the celestial and theological right. impossibility of reach. Yeah, we cannot say for certain. Because, I mean, that's the thing about human nature. You can't have a, a superhuman that can determine it. You can't have a super... Yeah. You can't have a, a subhuman that's wrong, that yeah. likes Catwoman. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> See, I want, I want one person to comment on one of our videos and just be like, I really like Catwoman. And then we will have them on the episode. Yeah. If you can genuinely convince me like if you were a person that's listening in five years once we've become famous confidence you think it's gonna take us five years it's gonna take us five days yeah we're going viral hell yeah i don't know what that was that that just ended it like people would be like oh these guys are really cool and that happened like nope i'm not sharing anymore (laughs) if you can genuinely convince me that you think catwoman is a good movie we will have you on the episode Yep. on an episode and human sacrifice time. That's when we finally reach that point. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Important point. You have to, it's, it's not a, it's so bad. It's good argument. Yeah. That's an exactly. argument. That's yeah. an argument unto itself. You have to argue that it is a legitimately good movie, yeah. that it tells a compelling story or whatever your approximations are for a good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so all these arguments again, are going against somebody who thinks that you can objectively choose a thing and say, this is a good movie and Mm -hmm. people are wrong that they don't like it. Mm -hmm. So that's gatekeeping and that's bad. 
<laughs> yeah, that's subjectivity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so here's my whole thing. Objective means facts, right? Facts would need to be verified. Those methods verification mean it should be verifiable. Uh, what does one verify the fact of quality and others opinion? And is that so point is <laughs> the obvious stuff. So you go, yeah, this movie is good. And you're like, cool, you say that I'm going to verify that because you need to verify mm-hmm. the verification that that is fact mm-hmm. needs to be verified. So right. when, you've, when you take a theory, like a scientific theory mm-hmm. before it becomes law, you prove the thing with a proof mm-hmm. and then you prove essentially usually done in the same proof. You are proving that that proof is valid mm-hmm. and only then does it become fact mm-hmm. because you can you, if you say something and then someone looks at what how you said it and goes, no, that's actually wrong. Mm-hmm. Then you're wrong. Right. Um, so basically you say that's a good movie. And then someone goes, yeah, I'm going to verify your fact. I'm going to plug that into IMDb and see if the good movie button lights up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, but verifying that person's opinion or their claim is the only way to do that is for another person to have the same claim, which right. is not verifying it. Right. Uh, then here's one that I actually really liked. Okay. So, man, I'm so mad that you just were aiming at a different target. Sorry. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm on board with you. Like you've mm-hmm. convinced me of an argument that I wasn't arguing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I guess I've kind of convinced you of an argument that you weren't arguing. Like, no, what? I mean, you take, you're, just, I mean, you're saying the obvious stuff. Yeah, like, I know. That's opinions what, are subjective. That's why, that's the thing is like, right. that's why everyone was like, yeah, it's subjective. It's because everyone was looking at like the obvious stuff. And you were like in that one weird realm of... <laughs> oh, but that's the most important realm. I want to come back at the end and talk about why it's important. Okay. But. So a lot of, at a certain point in art, 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 um... Fart art. <laughs> oh, stop it. Um... At some point in paintings and sculpture, people were like, you know what? The best art is the art that approximates the real thing. Mm -hmm. It looks like the real thing. Mona Lisa Mm -hmm. looks like the real thing. David's got a small penis, but he looks like the real thing. Fun fact, that was actually a a symbol in in, uh, Greek sculpture of intelligence. Oh, having a small dick? Yeah, if you had a a big penis, you were seen as kind of the the brawny brawler type that thinks thinks muscles first. If you have a small penis, you're intellectual. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so their their view of the objective good was if it looks real right and so if you start to apply that to art or to like to movies mm-hmm. does the movie mimic real right and that can be a, a method of like it's a it's a useful but highly imperfect approximation so basically what it is is like you take i mean you can take any movie like dune where Mm -hmm. you're in 10,000 ad and you're Mm -hmm. like under these circumstances is this how the world would work is this an approximation does this feel real and on a more meta objective sense does it like okay i guess i was gonna say feel real but (laughs) (laughs) i love when that happens i do it all the time too um but the problem is when you look at a thing go Yes, I in that case would do that too, or people in that case would do that too. Mm-hmm. That's branching into sociology, sociology and psychology, which are pseudosciences and therefore not a basis for fact. Or it's your shared human nature coming out. That too. It's that consensus subjectivity. Shared human nature, like your experiences. The the shredded remnants or 
twists on the um, the ideal capital I ideal meta objective human. Oh yeah. If everyone is an approximation of that, then everyone there are some characteristics that will be shared among everyone. Yeah. But that's human nature. Okay. I was saying more that like if you're looking at like a thing and a person mm-hmm. would do a thing that's like yes that's the way that the ideal person would work but all of the way the ideal person would do things is mm-hmm. based on sociology psychology based on our collective observations mm-hmm. sociology and psychology are just pseudosciences sciences if you think that they're not pseudosciences it's a fancy word for nonsense yes basically uh which is why also they we cannot- prefer the term social science he said as a concerned economics major oh because economics is a pseudoscience too isn't it social science pseudoscience social pseudoscience basically means it's philosophy with graphs yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's basically we have observed a whole lot of things and they all kind of say the same thing therefore we're pretty certain that that's the way that things are Mm -hmm. and hey that sounds like my point not basic for not basis for objectivity (laughs) under the framework of what my argument is trying to argue right see the thing like that's the thing is like i was so baffled when you said it's objective because i was like it's literally so obvious that you're okay here's an example someone needs to make the meme like the the brain meme <laughs> you are that like next level where it's just like or it's the i the have neil transcended deGrasse, you huh i have yeah, transcended you, just, you. you transcended me the, the 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 neil degrasse tyson meme where it's just like we have breached into intelligence that were previously unknowable like just i don't think that's neil degrasse tyson but well it was like it's the meme that that it, he doesn't say it but it's the Never mind. You don't know memes. I do. <laughs> I, um, I really do. I, I want to interrupt and say, I feel like I have come across as kind of facetious as putting together an argument that you weren't aiming for in the first place and kind of knowing about it. And it, it's really not my intention. This is something that... Yeah, you piece of shit. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty sure that this was the direction this was going to go. Uh-huh. Um, and the... Uh, but this is... Like my argument, as I've laid it out, that is something that is really important to who I am as a person. Mm. It is something that underpins my existence. We need to turn the cameras off and the mics off and like talk. Probably, <laughs> but we'll save it for later. Because uh, I want to, I want to get back to that. I think this, I, I think it, I think it's a really important thing to think about, an important thing to acknowledge. Why? Because otherwise, what's the point? If there isn't... So... I don't... This is getting to a philosophical question that's completely... Yes! Unrelated. Um, I don't think that trying to strive for the unachievable, like the objectively unachievable, mm-hmm. is a good idea. Because then you're just going to be constantly unhappy. That's coming from a depressed person! <laughs> if you if you assume that the... Um the un- that attainment is the only way to achieve happiness it's all about the journey man i mean we're humans and we naturally get ex- uh, get get happiness from achievement yeah. and the achievement can be like be it real achievement like winning a trophy or competition mm-hmm. or general achievement of just life of just like of of Mm-hmm. things that you want and mm-hmm. you achieve the things that you want whether it be mm-hmm. in like a relationship like you want to be in a family and achieving mm-hmm. the family is like your key to happiness and stuff like that okay like it's there there is but if you stake your life i mean i'm not saying that that's what you're doing is you're staking your life on right. objectively good art no um uh, but 
you kind of framed that around achieving the ideal human is what we should or like what we we should aim for that but it's like that's not aiming for the moon and you'll land among the stars that's literally (laughs) aiming for god (laughs) and i think i'm taking that sucker down (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna usurp that throne (laughs) like i i think that that's just that's a recipe for just disappointment and looking back on your life when you hit well no if you i mean if you realize that it's unattainable then the the fun is in the little achievements along the way the achievement of making art that you're pretty sure is good or experience art art that you're pretty sure is good Mm -hmm. it feels good it's an attainment along the infinite road i am never going to be a perfect chess player no human is ever Mm -hmm. going to be a perfect chess player but every now and then you find good moves and that feels good Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that you're not going to be perfect it doesn't matter that you're constantly striving to improve because the goal is unattainable yeah you enjoy the journey the milestones yeah, in some sense. I'm a mord. <laughs> cool. I want to make my other couple points. Cool. Uh, so there's that thing that was the obliterating sociology and psychology. <laughs> um, then there was the whole, like, I was, man, I had so many points that I figured you would make. Again, this is why I was so baffled. Mm-hmm. Is because I was just like, you can't think that just the obvious is wrong what and that's why everyone voted because everyone like everyone's mentality was along this route mm-hmm. which, i'm trying i'm out here trying to change some minds and open some minds yeah you're opening you're not changing any minds because no one was thinking about that it's true level but now we have and that makes this episode a success even though it makes get me, on my level it leaves me looking like a stupid horse uh you do look like a stupid horse so i guess that's fine. hey that's what a horse would say <laughs> <laughs> no it's what a horse eats but close enough i couldn't get um, it out with a straight face almost. i was waiting for you to talk about music theory and like the i wasn't i well, I thought about it i know but like so music theory is a chess game well i was gonna say because i just watched a video on um how music theory and white supremacy are hand in hand and like the whole thing is that people would view music theory yeah. under the pretense of the harmonic style of 18th century European musicians. Yeah. What's music theory? Ah, it's the thing that Beethoven did. (laughs) Never minding all Eastern music. (laughs) Well, it's a logical extension of what the Greeks came up with 3000 years ago. European. I mean, I don't know. Greeks kind of Western. They're kind of a long time ago. I don't know if those delineations make sense anymore that far back. I guess that is more proto-European. Yeah. My but, other point was if well, art it, makes our brains do th- makes if good art makes our brains do a thing that it's not subjective because our brains wired differently. Human nature, like the the point that the the mm-hmm. DJ who's Andrew's friend made was that like objectively good art, like the art that's good makes your brain tickle right. Yeah, um, it's and, a great way to put it. Um, so the objectively good art, the un- unachievable objectively good art, mm-hmm. makes everyone's brains tickle good. Because it does everyone's experiences and tickles your brain good. Mm-hmm. But under the pretense of that we're not talking about that, we're talking about the right. obvious. Right. Is that everyone's wired differently. So we get to a one- point. Yeah. You can hit a lot of those shared human nature traits 
which we're gonna get into with the horror movie stuff because a lot of my stuff really did dude the werewolf episode's gonna get real fucking like just oh the zombie one's gonna be fun (laughs) i've got this whole like outline Mm -hmm. of like splitting up the the what makes it successful in two ways and how every single thing factors into one of those two and it's just Boy, I'm ready for that. This, I I always really like our horror movie ones. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. Also, we need to like be spooky. Oh, you and I know the the intro is going to be delightful for the next four. It's going to be good. But yeah, those were my arguments. Um, it's really disappointing that. See, you know what? You know what? I'm going to take success in the fact that. I would have destroyed you if you were like... The, if I were making a bad argument. Were, if you were making the <laughs> argument that I thought you were making. Because that's the thing. That's actually the danger of what what this episode was right. at the beginning was... We didn't lay out the premises ahead of time. Exactly. So like we were, we literally were just like, all right, you want to... We're at a, at a gun range and the guy was like, all right, you two are competing to hit the target the best. You're going to hit the target that's out there. And there's four targets out there. And we're like, all right, obviously it's the one in the... Like five targets. So it's odd. Obviously it's in the one in the middle. Like, the easy one, the one that, like... And I'm sitting there, like, the one that's obvious. Like, he's like, oh, I'm gonna do the best. And then you're like, you took a shot, and it's, like, not even on the target. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna butcher this guy. And then we take all our shots, and then you've, like, nailed all the bullseyes of the one all the far left, and I've nailed all the bullseyes of the one in the middle. Like, maybe we should have made it a little clearer what the target was. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> but, like, I... I don't know. Neither of us lost because, again, we were aiming at different targets. Yeah. And so my... The fantasy mat that I was aiming at, I did butcher. Because you do agree with all of the obvious points that I was making. For the most part. Which ones to do? I I don't outright disagree with any of them, but I I take caveats with some of them. Mm -hmm. But... But yeah. yeah, In general. So like the... the (laughs) The mat that I thought I was going against would have just been a bu- like butchered, but yep. the transcended mat that just... I'm glad you said that word, because I want to get into why I think this is actually an important point, and okay. my argument is important to me. Um, I've always seen art as an appeal to the transcendent. I just want to, real quick, before we dig into like the really deep part and like end it on like a okay. really nice deep part, my boss's name is Art. <laughs> So, like, just, uh, for the most part, it doesn't interpret it that way, Mm -hmm. but when we just, like, the thing about art is, and I'm just like, he's a great guy. I like working for him. Yeah, he is objectively good. He is objectively, he's a great dude. I've been doing that a lot recently. Yeah. I've been talking too much. We should stop doing this podcast. I I really think so. 150 is a nice round number to call it. Thanks for all the laughs, everyone. No, it's not true. You can't get rid of us that easy. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to get harder to get. I... You understand my difficulties. Well, no, I, I need this thing and it fell. You understand this my difficulties. This thing's really nice. You understand my difficulties. You kind of have to slouch to get. I don't so like the thing this, is, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna address this. This episode, the probably the worst part of this episode is gonna be the volume. Yep. And I feel really bad about it. Yeah. But I didn't give you the advice that that mic is set up to where you were like up against it. And so there were several points where you're talking and you were like going like this. But this mic doesn't have that problem. It's got a really wide right. gain. So you can do that and like the volume really doesn't change all that much right like i can see the wavelengths and from right here to right here it's pretty much 
like pretty close to the same thing. Whereas if I were to go from talking right here to talking right here, you would notice a marked Oh difference. my God, it's so bad. Yeah, that's very noticeable. Hmm. So yeah, that's going to be poor Gage. I mean, he's... There's, Sorry, buddy. There's audio methods you can do to alleviate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for me, um, when I would shout, like talk loud with that mic, I can back up a little bit. I've kind of got that. I've honed, got the I've honed that level. Yep doesn't work with this i've spiked so many times yeah. <laughs> whenever i laugh i've got a loud laugh yes you anyway do. all right let's end art for me has always been an appeal to the transcendent and honestly until we started prepping for this episode i hadn't really thought about what that transcendent meant to me but it's the the appeal to that idealized edenic version of me there is a the perfect version of me out there. There's a perfect art out there. And striving for it and trusting that it does exist and that things that we can create create do have objectively good qualities. It is just it, it brings meaning to everything, you know? Like if you're just like, "Oh, I like that movie." "Oh, I didn't like that movie." Then it's just you're just you're talking in a room. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, "I think this movie is good." You are trying to find those little shreds and bits and pieces of the transcendental that have filtered through to us and that's uh it's, it's what it's all about man mm-hmm. that's the stuff right there that's really interesting because my view on art is completely different like uh, so I, I think i'm interpreting what you're saying uh under the purview of writing it like creating it right and experiencing okay both. and experience um I don't know. Like for me, creating is more of like, uh, I'm not really creating for the people. I'm creating for me. Right. You're creating for what? And to me, it's just like, it's a puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not really like I'm creating the objectively good art. Like all of the stuff I create, it's probably going to be complete horse cocky. Um, But. (laughs) That's a new one. (laughs) That's a new one. We're trying some new ones. Uh, But it's the puzzle of. How can I make something original? How can I make something? How can mm-hmm. I take a unique change to where I can tell a story under different, like just doing something mm-hmm. different. Like that's all right. I want to do is like do new and original things that yeah. are, I mean, I'm never going to make anything original because everything has been done. Um, But I mean, you can say, you can always come up with a new sentence, like particularly yeah. me, I can say, I, Preston John Rofus, think that that light bulb in front of me that I bought today at Home Depot is really bright and is probably blasting out the camera. That sentence has never been said. <laughs> Just was. Roll back the tape, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Um, but for me, it's a it's creating a puzzle. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, that is a really interesting and unique perspective on, on art. Mm-hmm. And... Like, and it explains to me why my mind wasn't even close to your, right. your target. Yeah. You're, you're thinking about it in almost mechanical terms. Yeah. Well, I am an engineer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I get the, the thinking about it in mechanical terms and I do sometimes approach works in that way. I want to solve a particular problem or do a particular thing. Um, but that's a, it, it's almost a, an appeal to a particular element. Like, mm-hmm change and innovation and creativity and stuff is a particular element of that striving for transcendence it's it's one one way to get at that Mm -hmm. um 
but I, for me, it would feel very limiting to do it exclusively in that direction. Yeah. I have to think, I have to keep in mind the, the objective, the, the truth. Mm-hmm. And I have to, to aim for it and try to shave off little bits. I really just like these tactile metaphors, don't yeah. I? There's a box. You put the things in the box and you shave things off of truth. There's a donut. And within the donut, there is a hole. And we need to fill the hole. <laughs> and then shave things off of it. <laughs> shave things off of it. Take off the glaze. It's all pure sugar. It's bad for you. Yeah. Rest of the donut's fine. Rest of the donut's mostly just carbs. Bread and air. Yeah. And some oil. Well. Fair amount of sugar, too, also, unfortunately. Shall we? We shall. We had something sent to us. Before we fully end. Anthrax? Yes. <laughs> Good, we so, deserve it. And so many body parts. Uh, people who have been listening to the episode know that we typically do the little outro bit, but uh, Mark sent us an email, and we think that this might be a good place in the episode to put in fan engagement things. Yep. Mark, uh, for those who don't know, is my baby brother. He's smart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he sent us an email about uh, a bionic, I mean, uh, Aquaman. <laughs> Call he back. Has, he's got two emails. His two emails are about Aquaman specifically. Well, and the one about Europa Report. Oh, that was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was that was separate. Yeah. Um, It's a relatively short email. I can just read it. Yeah. Uh, quote, Aquaman is about manliness and conflict divisions as to what masculinity is about. The movie presents three different views of manliness. Initially, Orm and Aquaman represent different wrong approaches to manliness, while Aquaman's character arc and development involves him learning a healthy view of manliness. Aquaman at the beginning represents a classic view of rough and tough, should be rough and tumble, I think, masculinity, where he goes out of his way to be strong and tough and drink a lot. Yeah. The inserts are me, not, yeah. not Mark. <laughs> uh, resuming quote, Orm represents a different form by flaunting power and wealth, deriving pleasure from flexing. Okay. Pleasure from flexing. Uh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I want out of here. <laughs> I hope that's the episode teaser gauge. <laughs> Find out. Kind of the playboy type, but masking it with some noble cause. There were air quotes around that for the audio only people. Uh, Aquaman learns better masculinity throughout the arc of the movie. The most important aspect, most important aspect he learns is to do is first. That's a bad, wrong sentence. That's an objectively (laughs) bad sentence. (laughs) It's because it's an ineffective communication. The goal is communication. It is objectively failing in that goal in my meta objective space. Thanks for the email, Mark. (laughs) Most important aspect he learns to do is first recognize his own flaws and second to do his duty in spite of him. He replaces his cavalier attitude with courage and dedication. Being strong and tough is, in the end, a means to an end. No longer his goal as a character. So, Mark. Mark. I think you you caught on to what's known in the entertainment industry as character development. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So in fairness, he does explicitly say character arc and development. Yes. So he, and so the the point is about what the the character arc and development is specifically yeah, about. Yeah, no, I I definitely yeah, It's got I, themes and got stuff, themes. man. I wouldn't Manliness. expect that movie to have themes, but it totally yep. does. Yep. So it yeah, no, you're right. It, it's definitely got like the, the the character development, the basically you've I mean, whether it's done intentionally or not, 
Probably the not. The writer took a character and was like, all right, so what am I going to do with this character to change? Okay, so I can take him from a toxic masculinity to a healthy masculinity. Mm-hmm. Then what you would do with a character is you, like, when you put him against a, an antagonist, mm-hmm. is you choose a way to counter that. And right. that's what that is. is a character that's a, that, uh, there's a character that grows and there's a character that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And typically it's the protagonist is the one that grows. Mm-hmm. Um, objectively good art, there's the character that grows. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a running joke now forever. It is. <laughs> How does Black Manta fit into this? Oh, I haven't seen the movie in long enough that I can make any... See, I was trying to think through it while you were saying your whole spiel, and I was like, I can't think of anything good. I'll throw it to Preston and see if he spins off one of his off-the-cuff great ideas. Uh, He lost his daddy, so he's stuck in the childhood manliness. Revenge. Oh, he's, he's failed to as- assert a true masculinity. It's a, a revenge and a an adolescent masculinity. Adolescentity. Ooh. Yeah, there we go. Sure. Adolescentity. Adolescent mask. Ad- you looked at the camera, but there's not going to be a camera on at this point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do your outro. All right. Oh, yeah, because now you're like, if you want to listen. Yeah. If you want to send us. Uh, if you want to get get some fan engagement, maybe have your email read out live on the show, um, you can reach us on many, many places. Um, you can listen to this podcast first off, and you should tell all your friends about it. Uh, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and uh, I don't know. We were talking about it eternally echoing through time. Yeah. It probably does that. It's an objectively good... I couldn't say that with a straight face. <laughs> it's not an objectively good podcast. It's pretty terrible. But we know. That's the fun. We have fun here. Do we, oh. have, do we have fun here? I, don't I have fun here. Okay. You can also find us on Facebook. Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod, where we tweet the twits. I think. End of the episode for two hours. <laughs> Instagram at Just Us Losers Pod, where you can see our cool new Meet the Host posts that are up. Those are very exciting. Um, enjoying those very much. Uh, they're also on Facebook, so you can see them there if you don't like Instagram. Um, you were also on Gmail, where Mark sent us an email. That's Just Us Losers Pod at gmail.com. Um, so if you've got a bionicle theory or you can explain how Mira fits into the framework of masculinity in Akon, Mara, <laughs> like the sea, huh? Mar in Spanish means sea, or oh, ocean. So anyway, uh, yeah, you should check us out on all those places. We're going to be on youtube there's going to be the blow by blow highlights on youtube um gage is going to put that together that'll be coming out a week from thursday after this episode releases yes um, well it's more like the first 15 minutes of the content okay uh, yeah it's a cool thing you can kind of you can hear what we're talking about a little bit it'll be, yeah. it'll be cool it'll be good it'll be nice um booze and booze is going to be resuming reboozing yeah um should we talk about what we're going to do with that nah not yet okay it's gonna happen it's coming back we have plans for it we have already laid plans and set a date to Mm -hmm. record the first one hopefully hopefully there's we're getting kinks in the plans in Mm -hmm. places so we're gonna figure out we'll 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 figure it out yeah or we won't who knows hope we do yeah um yeah if, if you've enjoyed this or 
um, you should you should tell your friends and you should share us on places and like and subscribe and follow and do the, the various things that you're supposed to do on the, the various mediums. If you didn't like this, you should do it anyway, but mostly to your enemies. Mm-hmm. Don't tell your friends about us, but tell your enemies. Ma- mm-hmm. uh, make us hurt them. Mm-hmm. With our ears. We won't act. We're not hit and we won't go track people down and hurt them. Well, you're not. Reverse psychology. I am, but I wouldn't. Oh, I'm that. not. Right. Oh. Guess I am now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's all the things I'm supposed to have said at this point in the episode. And for some reason, this has become an outro sequence. So let's safely say thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.